Portugal sent a 19-year-old girl to Bergen with a fatherless pop song and had big expectations. But hey, the most important thing is not to win, but to participate. And two years later, she went again. But hey, yeah, you know what I mean. What has happened since? Why did she leave Portugal for Brazil? And why did she come back? You are listening to your favorite podcast with your father freak, Emil Lövström. Maestro, please. Welcome to Eurovision Legends, Dora. Okay, what can I tell you about that 19-year-old girl? I was a perfect stranger here in Portugal. Uh, I had never, like, performed before. My first time was... The first time I ever performed on a live stage was uh, in Norway, on the Eurovision Song Contest. Yes. Because for that, I was a perfect stranger in Portugal. And um, I had never done anything towards singing, so here I here I went. I went to participate in the the Portuguese festival. I was a total stranger, and I won it. And then I became like a very well known person in my country, and uh, I recorded with a co uh, production in England. So I had several records released um, in English and Portuguese. And yeah. then what happened is that um, we had a, a kind of festival here in Portugal that we called the National Music Prize. And I won. And I won with the song Deja Vu. Wait, wait, wait. Now you're going too fast. Can we go back to the pre-selection in Portugal? Okay. Each of the four Portuguese television districts, Ponta Delgada, Funchal, Porto, yes. and Lisbon, and Lisbon, submitted three songs, and the songs were broadcast from these regional studios as video clips. So nothing was live. We were singing and playing, but it was not like a live um, show. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, all the songs were sent from each TV. Uh, station and then a jury decided and presented the song that had won. So it was not like a live show like usually is. Uh, it was live in the sense that we were playing live and singing live. Yeah. But uh, it was like um, it was presented separately. Yes, exactly. And shall we listen to some of your competitors from 1986? I'd love to. <laughs> I'd love to. <laughs> Flor 
Brasis ao encontro do meu calor Mas este acordar dos lados de não te ter a meu lado é de enlouquecer My Portuguese is not my language, so please help me here. We have just heard Que de Encontro with Luis Betancourt. Yeah, he died already. Yeah, okay. Quebrar a distancia with Sergio Borges. Quebrar a distancia con Sergio Borges, yes. <laughs> Very good. Your Portuguese is great. Okay, I love you. <laughs> Os Tigres de Bengala. Oh, I love that one. With Trabalhadores do Comércio. Yes. Well, yes. People, people who work in trading. That's the name of the band. And the song was amazing. I loved it. It was my favorite. And No Vapor da Madrugada. Madrugada. Yeah, very good. With Rimancho. Do you remember these songs? I remember especially uh, Tigres de Bengala. Yeah. Because it was my favorite one was from Trabalhadores do Comércio, and I still sing it till today. I loved it. I was a big fan of the group, and um, especially that one. It's really, really nice. Who did you see as your biggest threat among the participants? Well, to tell the truth, I had no idea because um, I, I was, the, the, the good thing about it, it is that I was like David Bowie used to say at the time, I was an absolute beginner. So I thought everyone was better than me because, you know, I had those people that some of them were already famous and uh, I don't know, I just, I didn't feel threatened at all. I was just having great time. I, I went to London for shopping. I was recording. I was like dancing. They put an X on the floor and I would dance all over the place. And they said the camera loved me. So I was just having the time of my life. I didn't really think about the competition. It was, it was like, did I win this thing? You know, <laughs> I was like 19 years old. I couldn't. I had no idea what was happening. I was just having fun with all. Next 
jury chose you to represent Portugal. Do you remember your reaction? I mean, was this a scenario that even existed? Not really. I remember that uh, uh, I had already been quite exposed because at the time, uh, Festival was a huge uh, event here in Portugal. The country would stop to watch it. And there were only two TV channels. So uh, you can imagine and, and all the, all the press and everything. So I was already, pre you know, a little bit overwhelmed with all the things. And then I won yeah. when, and I knew I, I, I had won. I was like, Oh my God, are they, do you think they would come here? I was knocking at my door or something. I was, <laughs> I was so afraid. I was really afraid. I was not the best person. No one taught me how to deal with um, what happened after that. It was good, but it was hard at a certain level. The contest in 1986 was held in Bergen since Bobby Sox won the year before. And before we talk about your participation there, can you take us back to your memories from Norway? Oh, I loved it. I thought, oh my God, are all the men like that? Boys. Boys. Tall and blonde, and I was like this, you know. I'm Portuguese, so I'm like, I'm not so tall. I'm a brunette, uh, and all the guys were blonde. I had blue eyes, and I was like, oh my god, what is this? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and I really loved, loved Norway. Bergen is beautiful. I I remember um, staying at the hotel with some other delegation, especially the Greek delegation. She was really, really nice, and uh, we went. Um, on a ship to visit the fjords. Wait, 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 wait. Greece didn't participate. No, she, uh, Cyprus, I think it was. Yeah. Cyprus, yes, I'm sorry. She was not Greek. <laughs> oh my God, this is... Elpida, but you know what? She is Greek. Well, I was kind of... Because I talked to her and she told me she was Greek. Yeah. So, you know, people from Greece and from Cyprus won't be happy if I say this, but <laughs> I really thought she was from Greece. But no, she was from Cyprus and she was lovely, lovely. And it was the best time, really. Do you remember anything special that happened behind the scenes that you can share with us? Well, I remember the, the maestro that was going to perform with us. Yeah. His name was Colin something. I can't really remember his last name. It was English. And I remember something he used to tell me, like before the presentation and, and during the rehearsals, he, said, he used to say, be good. If not, be careful. <laughs> I'll never forget that. <laughs> Greece withdrew from the contest, so 20 countries took part, and you were drawn to be the final act. How was it for your nerves to be the last entry? Well, to tell you, I, was, uh, I think I was very nervous, but at the same time, like I told you, and I know this is a hard thing to believe, but... If you knew me, uh, like in person, you wouldn't understand. I am a very, like, um, head on clouds person. And I was, like, having the greatest time. I, I took my boyfriend there. I was with all the delegation, my friends. They were my friends and the, the musicians. So I had no idea what kind of responsibility I had on my shoulders. 
I was singing for the king of Norway and, you know, yeah. all the Eurovision people uh, on TV and uh, it was okay. I loved my outfit. I was with my Doc Martens and, I know, I just went and have had fun. That's all. Please tell us about your edgy styling with puffy hair and equally puffy dress and big clunky boots. Well, I have to tell you, the, I owe all this to uh, a Portuguese stylist that he lived in London and st- uh, he studied at um, the St. Martin's. Yeah. And uh, so he was very edgy and he was like avant-garde here in Portugal at the time. So my boots, they were Doc Martens. Um, my skirt was from the American Classics, was one of those 50 skirts that the girls would wear beneath the dresses for you know to hold them and to make them swing as they as they curl uh, dancing yeah exactly and uh, and my jacket was made of uh, some kind of uh, silk uh, was black uh, was like was um, hand tailored for me and I had something that we call an astrolabio which is an instrument of navigation from the 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 Portuguese um, how do I say um, the Portuguese people that went across the seas and discovered like a large part of the world they had this instrument called astrolabio I don't know how to say that in English so it was a Portuguese symbol and my hair had like um, had pieces that were orange green. Um, purple and my hair was curled at the time so they just let it and that was it (laughs) (laughs) in my country you know i have to tell you it was a whole new world for dr martin's like uh, thierry something that made the comments for for britain Uh, but i was almost crucified here in my country because portugal was very serious so how how could i have worn that thing to the Eurovision Song Contest. And like two years afterwards, all the teenagers would have like some boots like mine, would wear uh, Levi jeans 501. And, you know, it was a trend setting, but it was painful here, really. Well, looking for looking on it today, I think it still look modern. Well, I hope so. I, I, I really love it. And it was uh, this uh, Ventura Bell, he, after I stopped, I didn't buy the clothes. He would like design them for me. And it, he was very, very avant-garde for his time here. And well, it was, it was like a transcending. Uh, but until today, I think people here in Portugal uh, remember. It, it's amazing. It's like 35 years ago and they still remember how, how I dressed and I can't even remember what I ate yesterday. So it was, was <laughs> it was like amazing, you know. It was very funny. Very, very funny. Who did you see as your biggest competitor in Norway? Well, I think it was that little girl. That's Sandra Kim. Yeah, we knew as she sang, we knew she would win that because she was like cute and she she, she was a good singer. And um, well, I thought she would win, really. And she did. Was that your personal favorite too? Uh, well, I liked Cyprus, like I told you. Yeah. Um, They ended lost. I know. Life can be unfair. And we know that about Eurovision. Yes. So... <laughs> 
Anyway, uh, but I, I liked Sandra Kim. I really did. Yeah, and she won. Switzerland got second place. Luxembourg yes. came third. in our 14th place with 28 points. Yes, yes. Opinions about the outcome? Well, we never expected to win, really. So we just won like three or four years ago after almost half century of the Eurovision. So it's not like we were... I was really happy because it was my first time. I had no career. I was a total stranger in my country. And there I went to... The Eurovision, I sang for the king and all the Eurovision community, and I ended up in, like, the 14th. So, oh, my God, that's great. It's okay. You release an English version of the song. Do you yes. remember the title? Oh, I do. It was so bad. Don't make me say it. <laughs> Please. <laughs> okay. It's embarrassing. <laughs> okay, we will play the song now. hurting me <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i don't know why they you know they could like have adapted not literally translating the thing so but okay whatever it, <laughs> it is what it is <laughs> so it's okay <laughs> the poor result in 1986 didn't affect your career in your home country and several hit singles was released yes and yes. among them my personal favorite is Jade. <laughs> You know, I really love that song. And then it was also chosen at the time. Famous people doing backing tracks for famous products worldwide, like sun silk shampoos and stuff. And it was a really, a really well-played song. It was one of my hits here. Yeah. It was really nice. Baby, don't you lie to me. You are my fantasy. You're my one and only. Baby, don't you lie. Favorite 
It makes me sad It makes me blue Cause no one's gonna love you The way I do You know it's true How love Could last a thousand years Go through the edges And through the fears And 17 17 I don't know Because uh, our love I, I love it Because it's a really beautiful ballad And um 17, I think, is my favorite because it's totally about me. Yeah, it's my story. Yeah, kind of. Would you You took part again in the Portuguese selection to Eurovision. Tell yes. me, how did this come about? Well, um, I was supposed to go with Deja Vu, and then the Portuguese TV invited me to go with uh, another song. So I had to go, and I did. And uh, I have sang that song like three times in my life, and that was it. <laughs> okay, we rewind the tape. And let's listen to Deja Vu. Oh, I love that one. Please. Yes, me too. This is a smash hit. That would that is a song that should have gone there, you yeah. know, because that's my song. The other one was like um, I was hired to sing that. So, in the pre-selection, eight songs compete in the semi-final, and why not listen to some of your competitors from this pre-selection? Okay. <laughs> We have just heard Uma Noite ao teu lado. Ao teu lado, very good. With Antonio Antunes. You know Antonio Antunes is now Tony Carreira, okay. which is a very, 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 very famous Portuguese singer now. Oh. Romantic sing, uh, mm. singer, yeah. So at the time he was living in France. Yeah. And he came here and he lost. And now he's like one of the most rich and famous uh, Portuguese singers here. Cool. I liked his song in this pre-selection. That was pretty good. 
Yeah, it was it was quite danceable, I think. Yeah, it was yeah. nice. And we had Amazonia with Midus. Oh yeah, Amazonia, I know that one. Yeah. And Porte Querer Azim with Tulial. Tulial, oh, I love that guy. He's my friend. And he now he he's a very good singer and nowadays he ha he works in a musical theater with Talial. Yeah, he's a really nice guy and a very talented artist. Your song Deja Vu won. Yes. But as we know, that song did not compete in Eurovision. So why did they change the song? Uh, well, I would say that they made me an offer I couldn't refuse. Okay. Like the Godfather. <laughs> so that's all I'll say. <laughs> uh, I had uh, I had performed on a demo that song by the request of the the organizer of the the semifinal that I won with Deja Vu. Yeah. And uh, for as long as I knew, uh, Deja Vu was going to the Eurovision because I had won. Uh, and then they presented the demo I had recorded as the song that was going to the Eurovision. So no more I can say, no more shall I say. So, you know, made me an offer I can refuse, like in The Godfather. I understand. Uh, in 1988, the trip went to Ireland. How was Dublin? Yes. Oh, lovely. It was lovely. I, 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 was, I already knew Johnny Logan and I was a huge fan of him. And I, love, I loved Ireland. Ireland is a very magical place. And of course, there was Celine Dion there. There was Lara Fabian there. I mean, there were all these uh, amazing singers. And it was, uh, was really lovely. It was really, really lovely. Did anything happen there that you remember that you can share with us? Yes, I remember I got sick like two days before the, the, the competition. I had a sore throat because of the air condition or something, I don't really know. And it was a little bit of a rush because I had to take medicine and everything. Like, I was really worried. I was really worried because the song had been changed. The original song was a really beautiful ballad with a, the powerful uh, chorus and... Uh, and that was it. And it was really nice because most of the song was uh, piano and voice. And then it grew at the end. And then the maestro rearranged the song. And it was like chorus from the beginning to the end. Yeah. So it was like running a marathon for me. Yeah. And um, I remember I was really worried because um, I, was, I was sick. And, but then in the end, I, I managed to sing it. Funny you said before that you had sung that song three times because I've, I found three different versions of this song. Yeah, well, the, the, the original one, I really liked it. Yeah. 
And that was the one that you sent out to the TV stations in Europe as a music video. Yes. Yeah. And then when I got there, he decided he had changed. He, he would change. Well, he has already passed away, so I'm saying this with the utmost respect. Uh, but he decided uh, he rearranged the song. Yeah. And uh, okay, I had to do it, but uh, for me, I never did. Uh, when uh, uh, during the time of my career that I had to sing the song, I would always sing the original version. I would never sing the Eurovision version as it was presented because it was not it was not the song that I was meant to sing and then it was not the way it was meant to be sang. So no more shall I say about Dublin. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 21 countries competed this year and you did not perform last this time, but second to last. Yes, and I ended almost last, I think. Before last, the last one before the last, I don't know, I have no idea. Yeah, but you, it was bad. You, yeah, you ended in an 18th place with five points. Yeah, it was bad. But, uh, well, it was bad not for me because I didn't sing badly and it was like amazing singing with that amazing orchestra. But it was, you know, I told you so for some people, you know, yeah. that changed everything. So. What was the big difference between 1986 and 1988, would you say, besides the outcome? Well, the big difference, at least for me, is that in 1986, everything was magical and I was an absolute beginner and I, it was, that song was me, that, the way I dressed, the way I was on stage, everything was like far more um, genuine than it was on 88. In 1988, even though it was always an honor and a responsibility to to represent my country, and I was really proud of being chosen, but things uh, were not. How shall I say this? Were not like the way they were meant to be, at least in my perspective at that time. We must talk about your outfit. On stage, you wear a cream-colored dress and braided hair. Quite a big yes. difference from last time. This outfit yeah. wasn't puffy at all. No, not at all. It, it, it and it was not cream. It was like an slightly oranged fire, as with like salmon, depending on the lights. They wanted to give me a more um, grown-up look. Yeah. So uh, it was a whole different wardrobe. It was a, another proposal. It was like um, someone that had grown up a little and 
more like a silhouette thing. All all the wardrobe for the occasion was uh, different, more sophisticated, and the hair was more sober and everything. So it was just um, another adventure, I would say. In a puffy dress and puffy hair, Celine Dion won. Yes, but uh, she won because, you know, she's Celine Dion. I, re- I still remember that song and I still sing that her song and I'm a huge fan of her. I'd, I was not a particular fan of her hair or her outfit, but I was blown away by her singing. So she won. Yeah. How did you react to the result there and then? Well, from where I see it now, like, you know, 30 years after, I think uh, I told you so for the other ones. It didn't harm me here because um, everyone knew that something had happened and that Deja Vu was the song that was supposed to go. So it didn't harm my my career. Uh, But it harmed the reputation of other people that were involved in the project. Portugal struggled hard in Eurovision and besides Salvador Sobral's victory in 2017, uh, sixth place is the best result since your country's debut in 1964. Why do you think Portugal has a hard time in Eurovision? Well, I'm going to give you the politically correct answer. I think it's probably about uh, different tastes or something. Because if I would give you the the answer of what I really think, I think uh, I performed in a show that was called The B-Side of Eurovision. And I mean, everyone knows that there are political and economical things behind results and stuff. So I don't really know. It's the best way, the best answer, the safest answer I can tell you. (laughs) Uh, Shortly after your second time in Eurovision, you moved to Brazil. Uh, I moved to Brazil in, uh, was not, after I still performed in a play and I went to uh, the OT festival in Las Vegas, yeah. the um, Latin American and um, Iberian festival. And then I went to Brazil. Yes, I got married to a Brazilian and I was um, kind of tired of being, I don't know, it can be very lonely when you, when you don't have like um the right team or the right um, structure. So I chose uh, to live a different life, basically. We must talk about the Playboy magazine, please. I saw the pictures (laughs) last week. Beautiful (laughs) and brave. Oh, my God. You know what? That that was like a a conquest for me because I was always very... um, I had a lot of complexes with my body because I I wasn't skinny enough or... Uh, because I I worked out all my life. I was a dancer. I was a I I practiced uh, gymnastics, and um, so I I was always very athletic. I, and I was never that you know that really round shaped body. That I was never that. So um, at the age of thir- forty six, I was forty six years old then. They invited me, and I thought well. I felt confident about my body. I prepared myself and everything. And I thought, why not? I mean, women can be, you don't have to be 20 to be sexy because uh, sensuality or beauty can be, you know, can cut across all generations. You know, all people have their own beauty. Uh, 
all ages have their own sensuality and it was like just to show that after three kids and 46 years old you can still be sexy you can still be powerful i mean for all it was like an empowering thing for women i think amen <laughs> okay many industries have a very tough time these days, not at least the music industry. And when I did my research, I noticed that you took a job at McDonald's in 2014. Yes, yes. Uh, and I think that such flexibility is honorable and shows that you don't consider yourself too good for a regular job. Or of how did your thoughts go at the time? Well, I can tell you at the time and now, I am, I, I believe that... Um, the best way to survive in a happy way is to be like water. You have to be flexible. Uh, you have to look at things and uh, not make such a big drama out of it. I mean, if you're healthy and you are in like in, you don't have work is not coming. You do other things. At the time I worked at McDonald's. Now, because uh, of the the pen. Uh, epitome or pandemic, I don't know. I was working uh, with children at a school with um, artistic expression and uh, dance lessons and everything. I don't have that problem. I am a very flexible person when it comes to surviving. I am not rich. I was never. So I have no problem on, you know, on doing other things. I don't know why, made, why people made such a fuss about it. Really, I don't. Because uh, it's an honorable job. It's not like I'm stealing or smuggling drugs or anything. I was working at McDonald's, like I worked at a bar afterwards, like I'm working, not presently because the school is closed, I'm working at a school, but I'm still singing. You know, I don't know why people have to be like so, um, have that kind of prejudice. I mean, we're just people like, you know, we're all equal. We all need to live and pay our bills. And we're not too good for doing anything that doesn't dishonor us. So that's my view. I totally agree. And what a rule model you are for your children. Yes, I'm fierce with my kids. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I have this saying in Portuguese, it's different, but no one plays with my kids' food. And uh, it's kind of like that. I mean, my kids are everything. And I believe that when you have responsibilities, you have to go over sometimes uh, the things that you wanted to for yourself or or that you wanted to do. If if you go other way, it's better for the family. You should do that. What are you doing today in your life? Well, um, like I told you, it's coming the anniversary of Nacejma Premi, so I am performing at the, some TV shows. Um, I have been working at a school with kids, um, teaching uh, artistic expression like theater, singing, dancing. So I've been a teacher, yeah, which I had already been. Um, and basically it's that because there are no shows, there are the theaters. I worked for the last five years in a musical theater with Flip Lafayette, which is a very well-known producer here. And... Um, now everything is stopped, so I had to figure out a way to survive. I still sing when I can, and I really hope to go back to the theater when everything goes back to normal. But for now, I, I have been teaching. Thank you so much for this nice chat, Dora. 
Well, I thank you so much too. I'm so sorry for some technical difficulties that we had, but it was lovely. This trip back to the past was really lovely. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thanks to you, our listeners out there in the world. I hope you enjoyed this chat with me and Dora. And if you did, subscribe, like and write a review and tell everyone you know about Eurovision Legends. You find Eurovision Legends on Facebook and Instagram and all information on my website, eurovisionlegends.se. What do you say, Dora? Shall we end this conversation with your favorite song, Déjà Vu? Oh, yes, please. It will be an honor. Thank you. Take care. God bless you. Bye. Déjà vu.